The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. Matthew 27, verse 39 through 44. And those who passed by him derided him, wagging their heads, And saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. We will believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver Him now if He desires Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with Him also reviled Him in the same way. Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. And reveal to us our crucified Lord. Amen. Failure is a force that threatens to crush disciples of Jesus Christ. It threatens to lead us to despair. It threatens to define us and it threatens to shape our future, leaving us hopeless. Uh, The reality is, when you look at the events leading up to the cross, the disciples don't look good. The last days of Jesus' life are filled with His, His dearest friends, His disciples, failing Him. Again and again. The Anglican priests, uh, Tish Harris and Warren, in an article titled, The Epic Jesus Follower Fail, writes this, During the Last Supper, Jesus tells his friends that one of them will betray him and that they'll abandon him. How do they respond? Well, they respond by telling Jesus that he's underestimated them and arguing about who's the greatest, most loyal disciple. Then, they fall asleep more than once in Gethsemane, too weak to be a friend to Jesus when he is most desperate for one. Then they panic, and they draw swords against those who arrested Jesus. Next, in a scene recounted with cringeworthy detail, Peter swears up and down that he doesn't know Jesus, even though it's pretty obvious to everyone around him that he does. A damning refrain haunts the story of Holy Week. Everyone deserted him and fled. They bumbled through the week, first arrogant, then afraid, then hiding. They were cowardly, disloyal, and unfaithful. These holy martyrs and saints, these dearest friends of Jesus, failed miserably and utterly at the time of greatest crisis when courage was most needed. It's absolutely heartbreaking. 
We watch Peter come undone weeping after the third rooster crow and Judas backpedaling as he tries to return the blood money he sought. From the majority of, for the majority of Jesus' followers, we encounter nothing but silence. They simply walked away. I think it's important for us in 2020 as disciples of Jesus Christ to see that this is our story. <laughs> um, we enter into this narrative not with a pointed finger, but with an open heart, willing to see ourselves in every painful moment. The hymn, Ah, Holy Jesus, puts this posture into words. Who was the guilty? Who bought this, brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified thee. We see the disciples, they're tested and they fail. They come up short again and again. Now, in the passage that I just read, Jesus faces his greatest test as he hangs naked on the cross. Um, the, the New Testament scholar Craig Blomberg calls the, mont, uh, the mocking and the, the taunting of the soldiers, the crowd, the Jewish leaders, the chief priest, and the rest, as Jesus hangs crucified from the cross, the last great temptation that Jesus faces. The last temptation. Um, they mock him by throwing back his own claims. Right? Um, if, if you're really God's son, then why don't you do what you said and destroy the temple and then <laughs> rebuild it? Uh, if you're really God's son, why don't you come down from that cross? Oh, you can't. You're nailed to it. If you're really God's son, why doesn't he deliver you? Isn't that what a father would do? God's son. <laughs> it sounds familiar, right? We remember the wilderness. We've been spending time in the wilderness this Lenten season. Um, if you're really God's son, uh, then surely it's wrong that you're hungry like this. Um, if you're really God's son, why don't you show people the dramatic ways in which God will look after you? If you're really God's son, why don't you take the quick way and come to your kingdom in one easy move? If you're really God's son. In, in one sense, it's the same temptation, isn't it? The enemy's not doing anything new. It's Sonship without fatherly trust. It's victory without suffering. It's a kingdom without a cross. It's life without death. Um, and there's no doubt that as Jesus hangs in pain and in agony, the enemy is doing everything in his 
power in these last moments as we reach the end to have Jesus fail, to have him give up, to have him come down, to have him fail like the disciples before him. That's the desire of the enemy in this moment. The shame, humiliation, and failure of Jesus Christ. But, but what about the desire of the Father? What does the Father desire for His Son in this moment? Well, if we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane for a, a second, we, we also will find Jesus in agony. Um, we find a Jesus who is uh, sorrowful unto death. Um, he is in such despair, he is in such sorrow that, that he feels like the sorrow is going to kill him. And, and in this agony, in this pain, Jesus, in his sinless humanity, um, who rightly wants to uh, avoid pain, who rightly wants to avoid death, who rightly wants to avoid the righteous judgment of God, he prays to, this, to his Father. And what does he pray? Father, is there another way? Is there another way? But, not my will, but yours be done. We see there's, there's no other way. The Father answers back, no. And so, and so we see Jesus pray again, and it's a little different. He prays, okay, if this cup cannot pass, if there isn't another way, then your will be done. If there's not another way, Father, then your will be done. Jesus sees that the cup is not going to pass. He's going to drink it. He's going to be abandoned. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be slandered. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be beaten. And he's going to be nailed to a cross. He's going to be publicly humiliated, seen is less than human, an animal unworthy to live. He is the righteous judge, is going to become the judged one, the cursed one. He will become the sin offering. The innocent one will drink the cup of God's justice. The cup will not pass. And it's the Father's will. Jesus, he prays, if I am to drink that cup, Father, your will be done, right? Um, so what's he praying there? What, what's the will of the Father? Um, for the Son to be a sin offering? For us? For you and me? Yes, of course. But also, that the Son would be obedient 
that he would persevere, that he would endure, that he would be faithful through every painful moment, through every taught, through the humiliation, that he would be completely faithful for the glory of God and for your and for my salvation. That is the desire of the Father. That is the will of the Father. The Father leads the Son to the cross for glory. All right? Um, The Son will be obedient to the end, and that is the will of the Father. And the Father will glorify the Son by bringing the Son through death. The Son will show His power, not by coming down from the cross, but by the Holy Spirit rising from the dead. Not avoiding death, but going right through death. In the end, the taunts of the enemy can only be truth about who Jesus is. And in this, he reveals his power and his victory. It was the will of the Father to crush him. Yes. And it's the will of the Father that he will be victorious. Victorious that he will be faithful to the end until he says it is finished. My prayer for us, I've been praying this all week for you all. My prayer for you is that as beloved sons and daughter, daughters of the king, is beloved sons and daughters of our heavenly father, that you would see every one of your failures in light of the obedience of Jesus Christ to endure the cross. He was faithful where we were not and are not. What's so fascinating to me is how do we know about the disciples' failures? Um, how do we have the cringeworthy details? Um, because they told people. <laughs> they honestly named them. Uh, they talked about them and wrote about them in, in detail. Why? Because they knew that their failures could only tell a story of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It's the same for you. In Christ, your greatest failures in the end can only show the glory of Jesus. It can only tell of his obedience, of his faithfulness, of his perfect love for you. Jesus looks at each one of us and he says, you couldn't stay awake for an hour? You couldn't stay awake for one hour when I was in my greatest need and we look back at him and we say, no, Lord, we could not. And he looks at us and he said, as I was being led to my death, you you pretended like you didn't know me. When I most needed a friend, 
when I most needed someone to acknowledge me, you ignored me. And in honesty, we look back and we say, Lord, yes, we did. And he says, as I hung on the cross, I was alone for you were nowhere to be found. And we say, yes, Lord, we were hiding to save our own skin. And he looks at us with warmth and kindness in his eyes. And he says, it's going to be okay. Do you not know that the entire time I was fighting for you, I was doing that for you. And my plan all along, even though I knew you were going to fail, was to invite you into my victory. Was to invite you into my feast. Was to invite you into my triumph. I want nothing more than to make my victory your victory. I want nothing more than your failures to be but a whisper in your life. I want nothing more than you to be defined by my victory on the cross. The disciples that hid in fear would soon be boldly preaching the gospel. (laughs) The disciples that denied him, that remained silent, would tell a gospel that would lead to their public martyrdom. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. This is the story of the cross It's a story of forgiveness, wholeness, and transformation. It's a story that takes our failure and turns it into the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.